Please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hey everyone, welcome to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans, the live streaming podcast where your favorite host brings the most interesting topics of the week to discuss and will ask the question, is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? And of course, we always try to have fun with some shenanigans of our own along the way with amazing guests, games, and spirited discussion. My name is Neo Nix. We have a guest spotlight, special guest on author, fashion designer, playwright, film, video, and theater producer, B. Jeffrey Madoff. Then later in the show, we'll be talking about two teens being charged for the murder of an eight-year-old in Pennsylvania who was killed by police. In quick fire, we're talking about the Rittenhouse trial, lockdowns for the unvaccinated, and a new baby boom. As always, we'll end the show with Shenanigans the Game Show, and we're playing Seven Second Challenge. Don't forget, mm-hmm. you can stick around for our post-show discussions and our after-show, which streams live exclusively on TLSFans.com Facebook group. You'll never know what we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But before we get into our show, let me introduce you to the fantastic host for the next hour, our beautiful model, actress, college student out of Atlanta, Georgia, Miss Gianni Storm. Hey guys, happy Sunday, Sunday. Um, I don't know. It's been cool in Atlanta. It's been cool. Literally, it's been freezing. And I feel like it's just, I'm not used to this. I come, you guys know I'm from um, Providence. I come from the cold. So I came down south to escape that. And it's following me everywhere. <laughs> the cold. So, <laughs> um, it's oh, you need to go, go to like uh, Miami or California somewhere. LA. Yeah, something. Somewhere. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's been good. It's been good over here. All right. And sitting in today for Lizzie, who's not feeling too well, we have our other college student and aspiring comedian, guitarist, and software engineer out of College Park, Maryland, Miss Ellen Dahl. Hello, hello. You guys are seeing me in the two hours of the day where I'm not going insane studying, so um glad you're seeing this side of me because as soon as the show ends it's gonna be gone so let me let me give you all of the energy that i have because it's quite limited happy to be here we'll take it we'll take it thank Thank you you, all right and our gamer tech guru and bona fide rock star with the rock band fallen machine coming to you from sudbury ontario the birthday boy mr robbie rock Happy birthday, Robbie. Happy Another birthday. year on this earth. Thank you, thank you. How, how was your birthday? Yeah. It was wonderful. It was uh, very low-key. Right now, my city, unfortunately, is a COVID hotspot for the province. Um, so my kids were kind enough to get a hold of me on my birthday, and so was my granddaughter. Aww. And we actually went to my mom's house for some store-bought pizza and cake, just to avoid our points of contact. Nice. But it was nice. Yeah, Glad you good. enjoyed it. A lot of love online, so I just want to say a quick thank you to everybody. Oh, of course. Of course. I want to give a quick shout-out to the Canadian speed skaters who earned seven long track medals this weekend at the season-opening International Skating Union World Cup in Poland. And 
If you're a fan of bad movies, if you enjoy B-type movies, uh, just horrible production all the way around. Who is? I checked it. Oh, my God. I went straight to Tubi. Um, the movie Swim with Swim? Joey Lawrence. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah. It is. If you... <laughs> so the premise is it's a family that's trapped in a beach house by floodwaters during a storm, and mm-hmm. the house gets invaded by a shark. So if you want to learn exactly what not to do in case you're ever caught in a oh, shark home invasion scenario, you got to watch this. I think it's based yeah. off of Crawl, the mm-hmm. not so bad movie <laughs> with the Big Gator. That one was kind of fun, or maybe loosely off the American Dad episode where exactly this happens. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love American. Uh, okay, I, I guess I'll watch it. <laughs> it is awful. You I like have bad to see movies. It. Then. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into quick fire. This season, our hosts share a topic, but we only have three minutes to discuss and one minute for audience comments. So type those comments fast. Also, I've added a mute button for any one of our hosts who decides to keep talking after time is up. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Robbie, the first quick fire is yours. What you got? All right. Well, you know, you heard me say it before. If you want to know what's coming your way, pay attention to what's happening in the rest of the world. Austria, like many parts of the world, is struggling with how to persuade vaccine-resistant citizens to get their COVID-19 shots so that the rest of the country can return to daily life. The sex industry heeded the call, and a brothel named Unpalast has opted to inject some passion into its clientele by providing free access to the premises to anyone willing to get the jab on site. So that's a 40 euro saving just for getting your jab. But <laughs> this is just a setup for something more serious. Uh, Austria right now is implementing a lockdown for unvaccinated people in two of their hardest hit regions starting tomorrow. And they actually are meeting today to meet to give approval for implementing those measures across the entire country. So starting Monday, unvaccinated people in the regions of Upper Austria and Salzburg will only be allowed to leave home for specific necessary reasons like medical and ordering food. Mm. So given how crazy things are um, in our part, neck of the woods, should this type of lockdown become the norm for hotspots? Mm. Let's start with Ellen Dahl. Um, so here's the thing. Ideally, that would be that would that would be better for public health. But I know the country that I live in. And if that were to be implemented, it would be absolute chaos in the streets, which would lead to um, a, a massive uh, mass spreader event. So it's like if you try to keep people at home, counterintuitive. Yeah. They're not going to be like, damn it, they got us again. We got to stay inside. It's like, no, they're going to come to the, flood the streets with their opinions. And, you know, I'd rather <laughs> keep peace. All right, Gianni, what do you think? I think um, it's it's a good idea to try to uh, target like herd immunity. Um, but I think that, like Ellen said, it's it's a little unrealistic for certain parts of the world, Austria. Um, but I think they're lead- they're doing a good example. They're yeah. being a good leader. And I like the idea, but honestly, um, at least in the U.S., I'm getting to the point where we understand COVID's not going away. You know, we should continue to educate people, but it's been two years at this point. Everyone knows how to protect themselves, vaccines and masks. And, you know, other people of the world now have the same treatments that Trump's of the world had. So, you know, main, main people, they, they risk whatever risks are to themselves. So at this point, you know, 
I'm fine. You know, we just protect our own selves at this point. I, I think I think we're good. What are you thinking, Robbie? I think that's a little cavalier because at the end of Fair the enough. day, it, you're, you are helping fund healthcare in your country. And if people who are vaccine resistant aren't falling in line, are suffering from the full symptoms and crippling healthcare, then that's a problem for you also. Everything else gets put on the back burner. All right. All right. I, I hear you. I don't know that I agree with you, but I definitely hear you. All right. Um, let's see. Mike Winters online says, hootie hoo. <laughs> All right. He says, he also says it's not to themselves. Uh, there are many, too many immunocompromised people who are still vulnerable. So I, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. There, there is that possibility. But at the same time, I still feel like we can kind of take it a little And I think that Austria is only doing it for three weeks. Like, what is that really going to help? Like, I guess if you're doing it for the rest of the year or if you were doing it until you tested everybody who was unvaccinated and their test right. came back negative. Like, yep. I can see that. Okay. All right. We can talk about this later. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? It is. <laughs> Jalen said, shoot. It's true. Everybody, I mean, it's obviously truth, but yeah, it's obviously. I still think think we're at a point where we can start to protect ourselves a little. You know, I think. Yeah, it's getting it's getting similar to the flu now. It's getting similar. Mm. It's getting there. It's not there yet, but it's getting the more people to get vaccines. I need a button to shush you. I need a button. (laughs) 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 We should all have a button. I do need to be shushed. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get to our next one. Uh, this is from Gianni. Gianni, what's up? Okay. So according to a note published this week by the Bank of America, pregnancy test sales are on the rise, which means a possible baby boom might soon be on the way. Since June 2020, pregnancy t- sales have risen 13% compared to 2% between the years 2016 and 2019. Um, The impending boom might change current trends for first-time millennial parents whose previous studies showed were waiting later in life to have kids. Um, Experts predict that we could see more babies as soon as this year or even next year. So my question to the panel is, what are some of the thoughts as to what could have caused this potential baby boom? (laughs) What could have caused it? Let's go with uh, Robbie. Well, I think the main cause is unprotected sex. But um, there's no real surprise. (laughs) Whether people are in a loving relationship and choosing to have a child at this time because of that deepening bond throughout the pandemic and lockdowns working from home, or if it's an unhealthy couple who is constantly fighting or fucking, well, they're just doing that. Um, If it's risky sex for a thrill to feel alive during pandemic lockdowns, you know, I I get it. People are bored. People are going to do what feels good. but. Please, the pharmacy is an essential service. Buy your contraceptives before you buy your pregnancy tests. <laughs> Ellen? Um, I think that this is, I, I'm not surprised, first of all, because what else are you going to do? You either, like, it, it, during quarantine, you're either having sex or making sourdough bread. So it's like, you know, so, <laughs> you know um, one or the other. Yeah. So make your choice. But, um, this just reminds me of moments where like when, if there's a power outage or something like that, a lot of times babies will, a bunch of babies will come out nine, nine months after that. But we've had like a, a health power outage for a year and a half now. So I'm sure, you know, 
little COVID babies with like C-O-V-Y-N or D, you know, like with cutesy names, they're going to be all over the place. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I'm feeling you. I feel like uh, it's definitely, definitely because of the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. It was to be expected. I think they anticipated as soon as they said that we were going to be locked down. I mean, it was. But is that expected? Because it's like, when you think of pandemic, you're thinking, okay, the world's going to end. Let's have sex and have a baby. Like we're broke. No, let's like just have like sex. Having a baby is a secondary okay. consequence of sex. They're thinking, I'm bored. I want to have sex. They're not thinking about have sex? Okay, All right. Yeah. Okay. You're not horny and you're like, you know what I want? Pregnancy. Like that's not how it you know, goes. If I'm not going to wear a mask <laughs> on my face, I'm not going to wear a mask on my junk. Here comes a baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the whole world was locked down. So it, it should be a whole world boom. So I'm a millennial boom on right. the way. So comments boom. online, Elizabeth, Lizzie, she's awake. Uh, by the way, Lizzie got her, uh, her booster shot yesterday. So that's why she's not feeling too well. Still she better. says it's easier to get clear blue easy <laughs> <Funny. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> than condoms. I guess. She... All right. All right. So is this truth, lies or shenanigans? Um, I think there was a lot of shenanigans like going on. Create the baby boom. I feel like that's what shenanigans are. Create the baby boom. Shenanigans occurred. Where's <laughs> some shenanigans? I mean, yeah, how, how's he going to create the baby boom with oh, that's a little, little bit of shenanigans? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to our third and final quick fire. This is Ellen. Yes. So you guys may have heard of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. It's been going on for the last two weeks or so. He's an 18-year-old who shot three people, killing two at a protest last year in Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, at a protest for the police killing of Jacob Blake. So he claimed that he drove to the city to act as a medic, medic and protect businesses during riots, bringing with him medical supplies and an AR-15. Um, footage has resurfaced during the trial or surfaced during the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse being chased by the people who he shot, um, raising the question of whether or not it was self-defense. Um, he's cre- he's facing six different charges, including reckless homicide, intentional homicide, and owning or possession of a dangerous weapon under 18. It's been a really divisive case. And my question for you is, do you think that he acted in self-defense? Johnny. Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, <laughs> I I think, no, no, I don't think he acted in self-defense. I think that it was planned. Uh, I don't you think know the murders I'm, were I'm planned. Be, I think that his intent was okay. like, I think that it was intended. I believe that him explaining right now, he is, he's being genuine. Um, but I do believe that there was some, he's lying in some, in some intent cases. to it. Yeah. Okay. Some, Robbie, he armed himself. He traveled across straight state lines to put himself in a situation where he didn't belong. He ended up shooting three people. You don't get to do that and claim self-defense. And these disgusting people on the right who are trying to make him into some kind of hero are sick in the head. I mean, there's just something fundamentally wrong about everything that happened, and including his mother, who drove him to a trouble spot like that because wanted to act like a medic there was a gun waiting for him it was it's all kinds of wrong that it's it's clear that there was intent to be involved and it may have escalated beyond what he expected 
but the intent was there. Yeah, I think he started out with intent, but I'm going to be honest. I, I look at the, um, I mean, I look at the video, and I don't know that I wouldn't have done the same thing. Now, oh. I should have never put myself in that situation, but in that moment, I don't know that I wouldn't have done the same thing. Now, I think what should be on trial here is more the privilege that we're talking about, and um, the same thing about what because he should like be responsible. Then- um, so is it self-defense? Sure. But he's responsible for something. He may not be responsible for murder, but he's certainly responsible for something. Okay, I need to shush myself. Ellen, I'll give you 20 seconds. Um, yeah, I think like what you're saying, when you watch the videos, you may think to yourself, if I, I, I don't know, you, you, you would think that perhaps it would be self-defense. But like, like Rob was saying, he went out of his way to go, to go here and he brought a gun. He went with the intention. He brought an AR-15. He went with the intention of protecting businesses who did not ask to be protected. He went, but you know, nobody summoned him there. And he went with an AR-15 and he walked through a crowd and he expected, like, you don't go into a crowd and have to just defend your life against three people unless you're doing something wrong. All right. We can talk more about this in the after show. We'll definitely talk about this a little bit more because I have some more stuff to bring up. So mm-hmm. after show tlsfans.com go ahead and sign up now so that you can uh hear the rest of the conversation let's get to these comments online jacqueline robinson there would have been no need for self-defense had had he kept his little cosplaying ass at home he's not a (laughs) medic there was nothing genuine about that fake hyperventilating (laughs) uh which resulted in all but one tear uh jose (laughs) says i blame ricky schroeder Mm. Uh, Liz says his mama just said he wouldn't he would do it again. Uh Mike Winter says mom did not drive him there. He went with his friends. And then Jacqueline Robinson adds, uh, where were the tears when he and Ma Barker were hanging with the proud boy? Yep. That's right. So we call him truth, lies, or shenanigans on this. I don't know what's going on. I think it's lies and shenanigans. Yeah. I need to have a sign that just says fuck this guy. This, this, this <laughs> I second like amendment bullshit. Second yeah, amendment I like bullshit. Rob. Look at the face. Oh, yeah, really I, really I like the sign that says "fuck this guy." <laughs> yeah, I'll make that for next time. Face is anguish. That, that's next on the list. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, because I have a few questions. Like, uh, I'm going to ask you guys in the after show. You know, does do we want to take into account that he still that he was a minor when he committed these? So, after show, we're going to ask that question. All right, I'm excited. Oh. <laughs> All right. Great quick fire discussions. Great job. And today's sponsor for quick fire was Jess Supertonics, immune support, digestive health, energy, hydration, detoxification, and more amazing health benefits awaits you and your family. Shop Jess Supertonics. That's a tongue twister. Jess Supertonics.com today. All right. All right. It is time for our guest. Spotlight. I think you guys are going to enjoy this guy. Our spotlight is on the Jeffrey Madoff. Hey, Jeffrey. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, Jeffrey. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Happy, happy, happy to have you on. All right. E. Jeffrey Madoff, a.k.a. Jeff, is an author, professor, fashion designer, playwright, film and video and theater producer. <laughs> I have a ton of questions about your amazing career. 
Um, and if our audience were to Google you, the Jeffrey Madoff, they'd find out a ton about you. But I want to start things off by asking you if you can tell us something that we can't Google about you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. Uh, something that you cannot Google about me is one I made uh, one of the very early trips to the moon and I actually walked on the moon uh, <laughs> and uh, followed some of the same uh, footsteps as Buzz Aldrin. I'm pretty sure we probably can't Google that about you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's right. That's true. That's true. Uh, that's hilarious. Well, thank right. you for having me on. It's been great talking to you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So you began your career as a fashion designer, even being selected as one of the top 10 designers in the U.S. So what drew you to fashion design and, and how did your career take such a drastic turn? Well, first of all, prior to that, I didn't have a career. So it's not that it took a drastic turn unless you consider going from one job to another a drastic turn, which it wasn't. Uh, And, you know, I want to be also clear because I think context is really important. Mm -hmm. When you say that I was one of the top 10 young designers in the United States and got an award for that, that is true. But I think there were only eight of us. So it wasn't hard (laughs) to be in the top 10. you were number nine. And the way, I, was number, I was number nine. Thank you for doing your research. That's something you can Google about me as after the moonwalk. Uh, I was working in this fashion boutique in Madison, Wisconsin, where I went to college, University of Wisconsin. And a dear friend of mine uh, who I grew up with, who had graduated a year before me from college, uh, said, look, I saved up some money. Can you think of a gig that would earn more than bank interest? So I said, uh, well, I see what we sell in this store. I could always draw. So I'll start a clothing company. And he said, okay, great. And he sent me a check. And uh, at that time, it was more money than I ever had at one time. And uh, although memory is a little bit hazy, it was somewhere between $1,500 and Mm $2,500, which seemed like a lot, but was really a little. I started with that amount. I don't know. That, that was like I a think lot about me at that age. Well, I'll tell you something. You know, I'm thinking, what if I was in the bathroom when I got that call? Now, of course, there weren't cell phones then, so I wouldn't have gotten the call in the bathroom. But if I had, <laughs> you know, uh, I would have thought, oh, maybe, you know, we could go into the paper towel or toilet paper business. So I'm glad that I was in the store where I was working because <laughs> at least I thought about a viable thing as opposed to, uh, you know, yeah, because I, you know, I had a, double major in college of philosophy and psychology. Mm. And uh, those certainly prepare you for staying unemployed for quite a long time. So <laughs> the fact that I had an offer to, uh, to start a business, and you know, my parents were entrepreneurial. So I grew up in a household where my mom and dad, they started knowing their own business. I have a sister, she owns her own business. So Getting a job was never something that I looked forward to. And I'm an entrepreneur because I'm basically unemployable. So it happened that I was in the store when my friend called, and it all kind of made sense. It also made sense because I didn't think about it too much. I just did it. Hmm. <laughs> all right, Ellen? Oh, you have a question, Ellen? Um, yeah. So since you're mentioning, t- talking about how there were, how, how, unlikely or difficult it is for 
how difficult it is for someone who graduates with a degree in psychology and philosophy for them to make it on their own. And you stumbled upon this opportunity. So what would you say to other people who are recently graduated with degrees like that, where their jobs prospects are similar, and they're also kind of holding out on some sort of, some sort of lucky event? What would you, what advice would you give to those people? Nice. Uh, I would give them advice to not take advice. Uh, because you have to find out, discover for yourself, you know, what direction you want to go. And, you know, I said that uh, jokingly, you know, I mean, it's not like you can go through and say, oh, a philosophy degree and a psychology degree. What does that set me up for? There are actually things from anything from teaching to becoming a therapist to going to a think tank. There's all kinds of different things that you can do, none of which I ever thought about doing, but there are. And so, you know, I think that often, often meaning like almost all the time, there's no single path to take. And I don't believe in prescriptive fixes for life's questions, you know, so you can read these books that seem to have, you know, the, the, the seven highly effective, uh, seven highly effective secrets for highly effective people or, you know, all that kind of thing. And I don't think that life is prescriptive because that brings up what I call the myth of replication, mm-hmm. which means, mm-hmm. oh, so that person was able to do that. And if I can replicate their behaviors and circumstances, yeah, which, by the way, you cannot under any circumstances, you cannot. So there's best practices for business. You know, be prepared, be ready, uh, mm-hmm. stay curious, work hard, show up on time, be present and all of those <laughs> kinds of things. But. Mm-hmm. Beyond those best practices, you start discovering this stuff for yourself, mm-hmm. and there isn't a prescription for that. So I don't have any, you know, great wisdom to impart. Mm-hmm. Right? Interesting. Best advice now, is no advice. As, as I was preparing, I thought that was this. great wisdom. By the way, God damn it, that was great wisdom I just gave you. <laughs> I, it felt great to me. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh my God, I got yeah. some information from that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I guess I got that. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, as I was preparing for this, I heard you recount a story from your youth, and I want to throw a quote at you, and I'm hoping that you would be willing to share the story with our audience. I was hired to be a shoe salesman, not a zookeeper. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was, by the way, the first and last time I had ever said that until I was on that <laughs> podcast you heard. Uh, and it's in my, in my, in my book. Uh, you know, a book came out about my class, the class that I teach at Parsons School of Design in New York, uh, what had happened was a new shopping center had opened in Akron, Ohio, which is where I'm from. And uh, I essentially talked my way into a job. You know, they were looking for someone who was at least 23, uh, had at least two years of shoe selling experience, was married. And at those times, you could make all these conditions. Uh, And I had, I was 16, had no shoe selling experience, was not married. And uh, I was able to talk my way into the job. And I had a great manager. He was a terrific person. Uh, And the store was a family shoe store and it had a monkey in the back of the store. And and, uh, by the way, something else that would not fly these days is you would not have a live animal cage in the back of the store. So the, uh, the thought was, you know, while mom's trying on the shoes, kids go back and look at the monkey. And uh, so monkeys, like us humans, defecate quite a bit. So unlike us humans, they don't sit on the toilet and flush it. So what you have to do is clean the cage. 
So the assistant manager said to me, uh, clean out the monkey cage. And I said to him, do you clean out the monkey cage? He said, I told you to clean out the monkey cage. I said, I heard you, but I said, do you clean out the monkey cage? What do you mean? I said, look, I'm willing to take my turn if everybody does it. But if you're telling me to do it because I'm the youngest person here, I was hired to be a shoe salesman, not a zookeeper. Mm-hmm. I love it. And that manager, uh, that manager overheard this conversation. And uh, he stepped in and said to the assistant manager, uh, Jimmy, why don't you show Jeff how to clean the cage out? And from now on, each of us will take turns doing this. <laughs> so uh, it was a funny phrase, and, uh, but it actually gave me a really good management lesson. And when I got older and was managing lots of people, it's about listening and letting people know that they've been heard and making decisions that are fair. I love that. So that was, uh, that was the, that's part of the monkey story. So you, you, own a, um, you own a production company. So I'm curious, can you tell us more about that production company, how it got started, what, what brought you there? No. Next question. <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I had, I had, uh, had my design company and made the decision to move to New York, my fashion design company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I moving to New York was like a big deal from Wisconsin. Uh, I had been to New York for business trips, uh, and was gradually seduced by the city because I'm, I'm a stimulus junkie and (laughs) New York is such an exciting city. It's just such a great place. And, uh, when I moved, my financial backer told me that he would not continue to back me if I moved to New York. And he made that clear from the very beginning of the business because uh, I employed Wisconsinites. I had two factories and I was like I don't know, 23 or so and employed about 120 people, all who banked at his banks. And he was a very good man. So he wasn't, you know, uh, he wasn't doing anything that he hadn't told me as a condition of the investment when he initially invested in the company. So uh, I had come to New York and I was working on a, I I ended up working on a film project and discovered that I really liked film. And I really liked the opportunity to tell stories, which is something that I had always done. And I had the opportunity to apply both my fashion knowledge and my love of filmmaking and became one of the first people that was videotaping fashion shows and filming fashion shows. That just hadn't been going, that wasn't a thing before. Mm-hmm. So one of my small slivers of historical significance is being one of the first people to be doing that. And that transitioned me into the film, into the film business. And I started my own company wow. as a result of doing that. So we do commercials, documentaries, uh, branded content, all kinds of different things. And I felt like what, what I liked about it is, is that I was only limited by my own imagination and that it's the kind of thing that you only get better at the more you do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoyed uh, doing that. And there's, there's whole lots to unpack, which we don't have time for here in terms of how I even bridged into the film business and doing that. Uh, right. But it's a decision that I decided to make to totally switch careers and to do that, which I'm very happy that I did because that led to other things. So there's a uh, comment online. that says, Paulette says, wow, good for you for standing up for your rights in a very mature way. All right, Johnny, what's your question? Um, my question is, 
Do you have anything, um, any, anything that you've worked on within your production company that you're really passionate about that you'd want to share or anything coming out? Um, even if it's not within the production company and it's in fashion or something completely out of those uh, professional fields? Well, you know, I was, I've been really fortunate because I've had great clients, traveled the world, you know, shot in Russia, shot in Czechoslovakia, shot in Italy, uh, shot in France, shot in London, uh, worked for people such as Ralph Lauren, clients for Victoria's Secret and, and Harvard's School of Public Health and uh, an array of clients and really cool stuff. So, you know, people ask me, like, what was your favorite job? And it was always the one that I was doing. Uh, because I think you have to be really present to do any work good. Now, there are certain jobs that really stood out to me that were really cool to do. Uh, but I'm, I'm fortunate that I had a high degree of work that was cool to do. It was fun. Uh, but I wanted to also do something else. And that something else was I, that came from my work is that I was uh, hired to do a documentary about Lloyd Price. And Lloyd Price, you should Google him. Uh, you guys, if you don't know his name, you know his music. Uh, and Lloyd, who was born in Kenner, Louisiana, he was black. And he uh, recorded one of the, the cornerstone songs in rock and roll. And the first song by a teenager that sold over a million copies called Lottie Miss Claudie. Audie Miss Claudie. When I, and that was covered by the Beatles, by Elvis, by Little Richard. And as a matter of fact, mm. L- Lloyd got Little Richard his first recording contract. And, wow. And this is just, co- this is just cool to say. Uh, I was on a conference call with Lloyd Price and Little Richard. So mm. wow. I just think that's neat. That know? is neat. Uh, <laughs> You know, to be able to say that. And uh, yeah. so Lloyd's, Lloyd's story is astounding. And uh, I felt like this would give me another opportunity to expand my creative horizons uh, and to write a play about Lloyd's life. The natural thing would have been to write a movie, but there's something about live performances I really love. Because, uh, you know, before we went on air here, we were talking about music and so on. And live performances... The performer is at risk the entire time they're in front of the audience. Mm-hmm. And particularly, like if anybody's ever seen a comedian bomb, you know, it live, <laughs> painful experience, yeah. you know, and the brilliant ones know how to recover. And the ones that get angry and attack the audience eventually lose their career. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> plays, you can't do a retake like you can in a movie, right. you know, so. I love there's a, there's an under underpinning of tension and risk that I really like. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. I wrote, I did the documentary about Lloyd. And as a result of doing that, uh, Lloyd and I became friends. And I said to him, yeah. I know I can capture your voice. I want to tell your story. Because he not only broke down the wall that was called race music, it used to be, and this was back in 1952, if you wanted to buy a record by a black artist, you had to go to a black owned record store. Mm-hmm. And black music was called race music. Mm-hmm. And that was just code. Uh, so what would happen is that, uh, that the songs would be put into R&B, which was also code for black, and pop music charts was all dominated by white artists because that's, that's where the money was. But Lottie Miss Claudie sold so well 
and nobody is prejudiced against green. They were all happy to be making the money off that. And as a result, that broke down the wall that was called race records. And uh, Lloyd also was the first artist of any color to start his own label. So he was an entrepreneur. He was an entrepreneur. And uh, he was also the first black to open up a nightclub below Harlem, uh, actually across the street from the Ed Sullivan Theater, which is then where the David Letterman show is and now where the Colbert show is. Wow. So uh, so Lloyd's life was amazing, Uh, just an amazing life. And by the way, later on, and this is not in my play, but later on, he also produced the Thrilla in Manila and the Rumble in the Jungle with his (laughs) best friend. Uh, Muhammad Ali and one of his best friends and another one of his good friends who he brought into boxing, Don King. So Lloyd's <laughs> life was amazing. Yeah, his life. Really an amazing life. <laughs> it's uh, like four so months. that's the thing that I'm probably the most excited about now. Last week, we finished yeah. our first week of castings. Uh, the show opens Whoa. at People's Light Theater in Malvern, Pennsylvania. Uh, on March, was preview start March second. The official opening is the tw- is the seventh of March of twenty two, okay. and we'll go through right. the twenty seventh. Yeah. So that's really exciting, and it's you know collaborating. Have to do a road trip. Some- yes. Yeah, we're gonna have to do yes. a road trip. Yeah. <laughs> road trip in Pennsylvania. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I looked yeah, it up. Yeah, it's so. not too far. It wouldn't it wouldn't take us long to get there, Alan. We could do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Pack up the car. Yeah, it's, it, and it's really <laughs> exciting because I'm telling a story that I think is really important because it's about race. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about the youth movement. It's about the birth of the civil rights movement and all of these things that came together during Lloyd's lifetime. And yeah. Lloyd just died in May, May 5th of uh, 21. Wow. Which was really sad to me because I wanted so much for him to be there next to me at the opening. Uh, and he had an extraordinary life. And so I'm, I'm aside from just wanting to put out a great piece of work and collaborating with phenomenally talented people to bring this all to life and his legacy should live on. Uh, you know, it's, it puts that added thing on there is now more than ever, it's more important for people to appreciate the doors that Lloyd opened that people just aren't aware of. You know, and his his life was amazing. So yeah. that's something, Johnny, that's a long way of answering your question, but that's what I'm most excited about now is that and the possibilities of that. Wow. I can't wait. Thank you for sharing that. That's something that would be very really exciting to look forward to. And for somebody like me, I didn't know about um, Lloyd. So I hadn't heard of him either like prior him. to this conversation. Uh, yeah, I'm Google really him. You will see. I'll give you a, a quick, really bad rendition, but you might know this song because you've got <laughs> walk a personality, talk a personality. So oh, yeah. first, that's Lloyd. <laughs> we have a great Price. rendition. We just need a little music. That was good. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Break the guitar. Break the guitar out, Yeah. <laughs> And Rob, we can do this with two guitars. And- yeah, I'll play, I'll play acoustic and Rob will shred. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. All right, unfortunately, we're running out of time. So I wanted to give you a few minutes to just uh, say anything that you want to say, close out, uh, any shout outs, anybody you want to call out. And I think uh, I think you're going to stick around for our after show. Um, so, uh, but anything you want to say? Sure. Uh, I, can I do a naked plug here? 
I don't mean I'm going to take off my clothes. Please plug, plug away. <laughs> I'm going to keep my clothes on, which I think is better for your audience. Please but, plug uh, away. <laughs> Thank you. So this book, let's see. There we oh, oh, you've got me reversed. I don't know what direction I'm going into. <laughs> so whatever one you're not. Yeah. Do whatever you're. And I'm on a time delay. Well, the hell with that. But uh, <laughs> the book is called the book is called Creative Careers: Making a Living with Your Ideas. And it's based on the class that I teach of the same name at Parsons School of Design. This fall, I started my 14th year teaching it. And every week I bring in amazing guests and we talk about, you know, the journey from where they were to where they are. Uh, And I might have a Nobel Prize winning scientist. I might have a had Michael Ayrad, who designed the 9-11 Memorial, Roy Wood, who's the senior black correspondent for The Daily Show. Wow. Uh, wow. And yeah, Pulitzer Prize winning journalists and all funny. kinds of people. It's, uh, he's great. He's great. And uh, really good insights into comedy, too. Really a terrific person. Yeah. So it's, I love doing that because I think, you know, what's most important is to stay curious and to keep learning and to keep exposing yourself to new ideas. Uh, and you know, there's nobody worse to be around than somebody who thinks they know it all. And uh, I think that if you stay present and you stay in a constant state of wandering around and wondering and curiosity, that it just makes the world a richer place. And, uh, you know, and it also gives you more dots in your brain to, to connect. So you can come up with new ideas and new things, the more influences you have. And so teaching is a fantastic way to learn. And every semester I have a whole new group of students and I really love it. I really love doing it. And the book is reflective of the class and it approaches, you know, how to get unstuck, how to, uh, how to overcome fear and doubt and how to ask yourself the right questions as you're moving into your career or changing careers. And and I'm proud of the book. And, uh, you know, it makes the perfect gift for anyone you've ever met in your life or ever will meet. (laughs) uh, (laughs) The holiday season. And I thank you very much. Yes, Johnny, thank you. And and so Christmas is coming up and Hanukkah, which is eight days you can buy gifts for people. So uh, I see see, uh, Jose put the link in the... uh, in the Facebook chat, so go ahead and click that okay. link and order that. And also, we'll make sure we get that in our description for the podcast. So. And by the way, Neo, it will blow your mind when you see the play because you look like uh, Lloyd's gangster mentor, Logan, <laughs> uh, the actor who, who plays him. No. I'm not, and uh, I'm telling you, it's it's really interesting. I don't know. I haven't seen you with that. Wait, take off your hat a second. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, so same. Oh my god. Does look like him. So now so I know Google, I'm a celebrity now. Google became an actor. Google Stanley Mathis. Stanley Mathis. Stanley Yes. Mathis. So funny. He's a do you see him? I do. <laughs> so I don't know if in what you find online has the has the mustache and beard. But Stanley does, and uh, it's uncanny the resemblance. Okay. And, uh, facial hair and is he, uncanny. You found a picture of him with the facial hair. I mean, it's yeah. it's wild. And Stanley's uh, Stanley's an interesting character. He's a gangster who ends up managing Lloyd because uh, 
there's a mutual respect with each other, and he's an amazing, amazing guy. Oh, I see. What you're, uh, I can, you're gonna sound a picture that I could see. It may might be a little darker, but yeah, I get yeah, it. like right here. Yeah, I, I found a good picture. You're right. I could see it. <laughs> it's 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 pretty wild, but yeah. uh, he's a, he's a really cool character. And by the way, the the like what you guys are experiencing here with the four of you and the way you play off of each other. Doing a play when you're working with talented people and you have that collaboration, mm-hmm. it's really special when it's all clicking and firing. It really is. And uh, and and I'm so fortunate because my director, Sheldon Epps, who is amazing, uh, and we have attracted just a wonderfully talented group of people. And I think that's going to translate into a fantastic show. So uh, I'm looking at these comments online. Joseph says new career Neo Knicks and uh, Neo a, Mike Winter says Neo as a gangster uh, George Fournier says very fascinating man talking about you of course Jeff uh, Paulette Bertrand says thank you for sharing all of that knowledge, knowledge. Uh, Mike Winter says I am down for the play sounds fascinating alright Mike Winter we're going to have to do a road trip call you up let's do, do that road trip oh I'll buy you in Atlanta Olivia says, I salute a person that no matter the profession uses it for good. I salute you. Um, Jacqueline Rom says, I remember the movie Hairspray mentioning race music. So I hadn't heard oh, about yeah, that either. Too. And there's a couple other questions. We just don't have time anymore, though. So I can give you a quick thing about the race music, which you guys might find interesting. You want Go ahead. A quick tidbit here. Fire away. So uh, Tutti Frutti, which was Little Richard's mm-hmm. first big hit. Uh, and if you ever saw it, it's funny, the actor who was playing Little Richard said to me and the director, so how over the top should I go with this performance? <laughs> and I said, we're talking about Little Richard, a black man <laughs> who in the 1950s had a processed pompadour, wore pancake makeup and mascara, played piano, standing up, shouted in falsetto. You can't go over because <laughs> he he defined he defined that and yeah. uh and so it was it was really interesting because uh Pat Boone's version you guys know who Pat Boone is mm-hmm. Pat Boone is kind of the musical equivalent of mayonnaise on white bread and his <laughs> version, his version of Tutti Frutti outsold Little Richards mm. And the reason was wow. is because Pat Boone and they would have white artists cover the black songs. Mm, mm-hmm. So Pat yeah. Boone covered Tutti Frutti, and that mm-hmm. got into the pop charts, and Little Richard was put into the R&B bins. Mm-hmm. And there's so many examples mm-hmm. of this, but it's a really fascinating story, and it's a part of our popular history that people just don't know that's really mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah. All right. Well, Jeff... Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time. We appreciate you. Uh, we'll st- if you're sticking around, we'll wait for you in the after show, and we'll see you there and talk some more. Right? Great. I'd be happy to stick around. Thank nice. you. Thank you. Thanks, All right. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Jeff was a great, great storyteller. Boy, he has a story. lot, a lot yeah. of story. I told you it was going to be a good spot. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> wow. All right. But now we're really short on time. So let's get into our topic. We'll keep this one short. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right. So this week we had two teens, 16-year-old Angelo Ford, 18-year-old Asin Strand, I believe is his name. 
They were charged with first-degree murder and aggravated assault in the death of Fanta Billity, an eight-year-old girl who was killed by police gunfire August 27th outside a high school football game in Sharon Hill, Pennsylvania. The teens got into an argument at the game and exchanged multiple gunshots with each other. The gunfire then led to responsive gunfire by police officers near the entrance of the football stadium that wounded three bystanders and tragically killed Fanta with a single gunshot to the torso. The young girl's family has filed a lawsuit that accuses the Sharon Hill Police Department of excessive force and of specific intent to kill, saying they acted unreasonably by firing on the car while innocent bystanders who were also injured, stood directly behind it. But the DA's office said the teens should both be held criminally liable for the murder of Fanta as well as for wounding all of the, for the wounding of the bystanders. All right, so my question to you guys is who should be held responsible here? In addition to first-degree murder, the suspects were charged with five counts of attempted murder, five counts of reckless endangering, um, another person as well as gun-related charges. So... Who is responsible? Let's start with Gianni. Um, I feel like I'm going to go with what the family, the, the victim's families mentioned. Um, they said that real justice would be holding accountable the reckless shooting of the police officers and not the reckless shooting of the teenagers. I think that um, I think that the teenagers that were shooting should definitely be charged with, with their part. But I don't think that they should be charged with the murder of the young girl. Uh, killing. Yeah, because they weren't the one that killed her, obviously. Um, I, I actually don't even know how this is still happening. <laughs> like, how are we still not holding the police accountable? Um, but I think because there was so many factors within it, within that scenario, they can easily pin it on the two teenagers who rightfully they, they should be they should be receiving some kind of consequence. Of course, they're you know, they're they're shooting in the middle of a school. I think, was it a school district or was it a football game? It's a football game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, they should, yeah. They should rightfully be charged, definitely. But. All right. So you, think the, so you think the police should be charged? Yeah. All right. So, Robbie, do you agree with Gianni? Should the police be charged as well? Um, this, I went and actually found the original story rather than the reaction. I wanted to find out what happened at the football game mm-hmm. and to watch the news snippets. Uh, from the actual event is um, is crazy. So these young people need to be held to account. I'm on board with the legal reasoning of the DA um, because they were attempting they were attempting to kill one another that night, and as a direct result, a little girl is dead. The day after the shooting, Fanta's uncle Abu Biliti said that she got caught in somebody's terrible act and she became the victim. I 100% believe that that is the case. Um, so, like, a jury needs to be persuaded that in order to prove first-degree murder, um, there has to be homicidal intent, as opposed to merely frightening or even wounding one another. This is ridiculous. What is the intent of brandishing a gun? It's The implied intent is that I can and will kill you. You don't flash a piece to make friends or to bring about a dialogue to de-escalate a situation. One kid flashed a piece, the other one went and got his piece, and they started shooting at one another Went at a high school football game with hundreds of people. So I hate to say that Fanta was just a casualty in a terrible situation, but unfortunately, she is just a casualty. And Johnny, how is this still happening? 
I don't know, because to the rest of the world, this is just more static noise gun violence in America. Kids with easy mm -hmm. access to weapons, killing kids, or creating lethal scenarios. I'm so fed up with it. So you believe that regardless of the fact that uh, the teens neither killed them, killed her intentionally or unintentionally, it doesn't matter. They're responsible. They, they created a scenario where lethal force was a reasonable response because they opened fire with hundreds of innocent bystanders. The fact that they didn't hit anybody is staggering. The police response, when I That's saw the football field, exactly there had right. to be 20 cars around the football field. If you have a civilian high school sporting event and there's a live fire situation, how do you respond, Neo? You put them down. So, Ellen, down. Ellen, do you do you agree with Rob's stance? Do you believe the, uh, the police hold no responsibility? Um, I don't think that the police hold no responsibility. I think that the I think that the the people who got into the shootout are certainly responsible. Um, I think that the like. I think that in this case, if the police are not to be held responsible, I think that we're kind of babying them and saying like, oh, well, they have, you know, they were doing, you know, they were doing what they were, they were doing their best and they were doing um, their best to protect everyone. But I, I don't know. I also, the legal implications, I don't know much about law, but it seems really like convoluted to charge the girls with homicide if or for for Teens. killing the girl if it was if they didn't you know shoot the bullets like just from a very logistical standpoint i think it would be i don't know how that would be argued but it makes sense you yeah know, i think they didn't actually shoot her sure so i was reading yeah. the prosecutors relying yeah. on a pennsylvania legal code that holds the person responsible for a crime they intended to commit but which had a different ah. victim it requires wow. persuading a jury that the oh. only difference between what they intended and what happened was that a different person was killed. So even though they sh neither shot Billy T, either on purpose or by accident, yeah. they're supposedly responsible. Um, yeah. But again, that absolves the police, police. of any responsibility. Um, so it sounds like, Ellen, you're saying the police are responsible or they're not? responsible i don't think it's either or i think um i think the people who are involved i think the people who are shooting were absolutely responsible and it's absolutely their fault that a little girl died because so she would not have been shot if they were not doing what they were doing now, would she not have been shot also if the police were not just randomly shooting i mean do yeah why were they because i mean we're, we're talking about shooting in an open area with bystanders visibly i mean yeah. lots of them i mean yeah wouldn't police be trained not to do that? Robbie, I see you have to say something. I think so. But what you're saying is anecdotal, Neil. Unless you've actually seen any body cam footage, you don't know. This is you're going by reports that the police were it's all alleged. Wantonly, it's all alleged. So I, I've never been in a live fire situation. I can't imagine what it'd be like, especially when there's hundreds of civilians that are dropping that are dropping for their life that are scattering when you see the footage and you see the entire football both football teams laying on the field their lives are at risk because two teenage idiots decided that they were going to settle this with guns they put everybody at risk neil i'm still wondering if the police should I... still have done a better job of not shooting in a public arena i know that I totally think so. they are trained not to do that um so, Gianni, you're going to say Even one, one last trained, thing. Got, it's just I'll give like, you 20 seconds. I, we've, we have seen with, over the you know, past 
couple of years how officers are not properly trained. So it's not even about the training. It's just kind of like logic. Like if you don't like I but what Rob is saying is, is true when it comes to actually seeing the footage. I haven't seen the footage. But if you are shooting inside of cars or you are shooting inside where there's random civilians, it doesn't make sense to shoot there when the action is happening over here. So I don't know. I don't know. And then just to come in guns blazing, what are we doing? Why are we not using our heads? But okay. All right. Let's get to these comments online. There's a few. Uh, Jose says, whatever happened to uh, good old fist fights? Thank you. Let's kick each other. They don't know how to fight. Yeah. From what I was reading, apparently one of them flashed the gun, then the other one ran to their car to go get the gun and then came back and then they started shooting each other. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Liz says, uh, active shooters, how else are police supposed to respond to an active shooter? You try to put them down. Mm-hmm. Um, Jose, why, brings, why bring guns to a football game? Why? Uh, Mike Winner says, felony murder is not a difficult concept. Olivia says, yes, almost all states say when, uh, we are committing, when you are committing a felony and someone dies, you are charged with murder, no matter who pulled the trigger or if it was intended. Um, and then Liz says, uh, guns blazing at active shooters. All right, so we're out of time, so we're going to move quickly. Uh, that it was a good hot topic. Thank you for participating, guys. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, let's get to our game show. All right, for today's game, it's brought to you by... Into it online boutique. Get into it, ladies. It's time to slay in the latest fashion trends on the Into It online boutique. Go support small businesses this holiday season. www.2intuit.com. All right, today's game is seven second challenge, but I had to get a different version because we had to pay to remove the ads because we got tired of them <laughs> popping up. <laughs> All right, so let's see how this one goes. Rule is you must successfully do the challenge within seven seconds to get a point judged by me, of course. Of course, with the most points, wins the final thought for the show. So, Ellen, are you ready? Yes. All right. Ellen, you're up first. Name three characters from Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I don't know. I never liked the show. Vegeta. I hate Dragon Ball Z. Um... Rob. I don't know any of them. All right, so that's a no. Me either. Okay, Gohan, right. Vegeta, Master Roshi. You have seven seconds to do three squats. Oh, that's better than doing ten squats. <laughs> he did three. He did oh. squats before. Uh, what are you trying to tell him? You get lucky. Oh, my thighs. I think I put on a knee. Oh, good what job. Be intellectual? Got an easy one. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> All right, Robbie gets a point. I hope mine isn't. An All right, Gianni Storm, say something funny silently. To Rob B. Just say something funny to Impossible. Rob B. Um, <laughs> something funny. <laughs> that, I'm going to give it to you. I'm giving that one to you. I was like, I can't think of a joke. I'm giving that one to you. <laughs> that was good. All right. <laughs> Ellen Dahl, name three characters from The Lord of the Rings. My God, what's up with this? Okay. Um, Frodo... Mm-hmm. Um, Gollum. Okay. Um, Good. Good. Oh, you ran out of time. Exactly. Ran out of time. I don't know any of them. All right, Ellen, no I points for you. All right. Uh, okay, Robbie, make a Slavic 
crouch. First? Oh. What the? F- I think it's like when you cross your legs and then crouch down. I'm going to guess. Like a somersault. Yes. Like you're about so to. So you know you like. Oh, we, we can't, can't see. see. I don't know. I did something off camera. <laughs> I'm gonna give it to you. Like, like, I don't think you like it. <laughs> Who made this game? I'm gonna give it to you. All right, I can see. Yeah. All right, Gianni, yeah. stay, stay in contention with Robbie. Go to the next room and <laughs> what? I, oh gosh, we're just gonna skip this. Go to the next room to check if you are not there. Okay, so in a different dimension, this game would work. Um, <laughs> Go to the next room and check to see if. But you're if not you there. just crouch below camera. <laughs> Nope, not there. If we all so that's a weird one. That's a stupid question. I don't, yeah, that's... Where's what that drugs were involved in the development of this app? <laughs> all right, Ellen. Well, you are technically out oh, of it God. now, so... Because um, you can't win. Sorry. Yeah. So this is between Rob B. and Gianni. Are you ready? Yes. Rob B. and Gianni. Yes. All right, Ellen. Oh, this is not Ellen. So, Rob B., dance to the song mm-hmm. that will be played... What is this? The okay, I don't know what by that the players. What? I feel like you there's guys, somebody in the background. You need to, you guys need to make music <laughs> for me to dance to. You need to make music. <laughs> I don't know. That's such a dumb. So All right, we may not use this one in the future. This is stupid. How much do you pay for this? <laughs> two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. That's way too much money. All right. Huh. All right. Tell this is Robbie. All right. Tell everyone. What your about your worst date? You have that was funny. Second worst date. Ah, my worst date. Well, one of the worst dates was absolutely. I was working ten hour days, and I went to the movies, and I fell asleep, and I was snoring out loud. It was Robin Hood after a big <gasps> dinner? I was snoring. <laughs> was like a bad date. Why would you even go on the date? <laughs> because right. my girl, I hadn't seen my girlfriend at the time for quite a while. I was working seven days a week, ten hours a day, out of town. So Aww. it was to make it up for I take her out on a nice date, and it just tanked. I fell asleep in the theater. All right, Gianni, well, find out what one of the people, one of the people's color of socks is on the show. Go to a stranger meet and find out what color. So- um, Ellen, what color no. socks do you have? Too late. Um, <laughs> Go they're white, but they're dirty. So they're a co- they're several colors. White, dirty, white. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna see. They're an off white, dirty white. All right, this is the last yeah. one. This is the last one. Sure. So, all right. So the way we're gonna do this is the whoever does it first laugh by imitating the laughter of another player. Good. And um, best. How does Neo laugh? Liz. Oh my god! <laughs> I got Liz. <laughs> <laughs> got Liz. <laughs> she's not on the call, so I can I can do it. That's so hard. Just laugh. She's watching you guys. She's not far. <laughs> All right, Robbie wins the game. All right. I like how go. it gives points to me. That's nice. <laughs> Liz, that's how you. Apparently, that's how you laugh, Liz. So. <laughs> Liz, that's All right. Sorry, it's more. If I check the comments, it's more lo 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 lo. All right, all right. Let's get some shoutouts. Yanni. Um, shout out to my little sister. I wanted to go to Goldsboro, North Carolina, to see her this weekend, but unfortunately, I couldn't. Um, so I, I love you, and I'll see you hopefully. All right, Ellen. Um, shout out to my aunt who isn't watching because it's her freaking birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday, Aunt Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Robbie, shout out. <laughs>
<laughs> just a shout like out. That. Seriously, a, a big shout out back to everybody that took the time to reach out to me on my birthday or the next day to wish me a happy belated. It was much appreciated. And uh, I didn't enjoy turning 49, but all of you helped brighten that up. All right. And my shout out goes to Lizzie again, who's not feeling too well. So Lizzie, hope you forget better soon. And our final shout out goes to our pet shenanigans. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks in a row, Flora Leal and her cat seem pretty popular with all of you. Uh, She posted a video of her cats fighting on the cat tower with the caption, gladiators, cat edition. That is so cute. All right. To see these photos and all of your pets, I go to TLS Pet Shenanigans, TLS Shenanigans Facebook group, mypetshenanigans.com. Photo with the most likes and, sh- and comments gets a shout out each and every week. And Pet Shenanigans uh, is brought to you by Big Drip Collars and Accessories, uh, providing top-notch styles for dog collars, bandanas, and leashes. Visit the link in the description, www.etsy.com slash shop slash Big Drip Collars. And that is officially all of the time we have for today's show. We hope you maybe learned something, gained a new perspective, even got some things off your chest. We will be live streaming next Sunday, November 21st, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. But we will be taking off for Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving weekend. Don't forget the audio version of the podcast available every Monday evening, 6 p.m. And the party is not over. We've got... 15 minutes of a so we're actually not going to switch we're just going to stay here with you guys so it won't be on tls fans you get something special you get to see our after show and Yay! it looks like <laughs> our winner for the final thought of the day is mr robbie rod every week so my final thought is i'm going to retweet Seth McFarlane, just a couple of days ago, he posted this tweet, and I think it's brilliant. The Aaron Rodgers debacle, coupled with recent comments from celebrities informed about vaccination, is a reminder to quit treating athletes, actors, and influencers as role models. Pick a scientist, a doctor, or a teacher instead. You'll wind up smarter. Oh, good one. Good one. I like that. All right. Thank you, Ellen, Gianni, Robbie Rock, people behind the scenes, always working hard. Thank you, Jeffrey. Jeffrey for joining us. Jeffrey Madoff for joining us. Uh, Lizzie, hope you feel better. Also, thank you to Nesmi, Jose, and Olivia. But most importantly, I want to thank you for watching and listening to our shenanigans each and every week. We hope to see you next time.